0: One, two, three, four.
1: Oh, yeah. All right. So pick whoever you think our best offensive lineman is. Okay, if there was a fight to the death and you were to clean out this room, and there were no rules whatsoever to be applied. So you pick out whoever happens to be your favorite of our offensive line, whoever you think's the toughest. Now whoever's the softest of that Boise State D-line,
0: you bring him in here, okay? And all that's gonna be left of our offensive lineman is a grease spot in the end, okay? Because that Boise State D-lineman
1: will smoke our offensive lineman so bad, it'll be embarrassing. And uh, if
0: you don't believe me, just turn on that game uh, the other night and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Coach, what's the biggest challenge that Boise's defense is throwing at you? Playing on offense, actually playing. Welcome, 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 everybody back. Back again after the roller coaster ride that was over the weekend. Not only in one football game, but two football games. And uh, going 50 50 this weekend, Washington State. Boy, Dave, that was quite a ride on Saturday night from the Pullman Palouse. And I can't tell you. If I've ever seen anything like that live in person in my own skin, <laughs> that was absolutely incredible to watch. Washington State coming back for the win and the Seahawks just looking pathetically awful on offense. Yet another year of this awful trend. Cannot wait to get all of that in the show on the Northwest Sports Fix. Dave Richardson with me. Dave. What a weekend, up and down, up Mm -hmm. and down we go. And Washington State pulling off one of the largest upsets, not should say upsets, comebacks in program history. And all being done in the last eight minutes of the football game. In Boise State, we knew it, Dave, coming in, it was going to be a close one.
1: You know, Kurt, I honestly thought about after after that triple overtime win, I thought we should maybe start the podcast with just us laughing with just that's just the start (laughs) of the podcast because that's that's honestly how i felt when that happened i was like you've got to be kidding me that this actually that we're able to pull off a 21 point comeback uh then after the seahawks game i thought "Eh, i don't really feel like laughing anymore after that so i don't want to start that way um but you know what, Kurt? We talked about that, that Boise State was is a good team and that we did not feel good about the spread. Um, but going into the fourth quarter, do we think we we're going to be down that much? That The offense was going to look that bad that, that Luke Falk was going to get actually benched for poor play? Um, sounds pretty shocking um, for it all to happen. But what's what's crazy about this, I realize, someone else, uh, you know, I read this on Twitter somewhere, is this the third time in the Mike Leach era that WSU has had a 21-point comeback, yeah. and it's and it's three years in a row because mm-hmm. we did it last year um i think it was around halloween weekend against oregon state um and oregon state again a, a game that we were favored in and then before that it was utah at utah our uh, game marks had an incredible touchdown catch um so it, you know it's kind of funny because on, on twitter during during these games you know you get both sides of the coin where you get like People talking about, you know, this is how much we're paying Mike Leach and he's just losing us football games. And then you get the other side that, like, he's a crazy pirate and he's got this, he's got the comeback ability in him. Um, But I I was um, surprised to see how bad the offense played for most of that game, the offensive line in particular. Um, But I was really. Happy with how well, even though there, he made some a boneheaded mistake with the interception. Halinski uh, played. What was the feel in in the stadium, Kurt? Uh, you know, when 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 Helinski went into the game and, and Falk, you know, was pulled, was it was a feeling of of hopelessness, or maybe is this guy going to give us the spark we need?
0: I think honestly, people were perplexed and also interested to see how this was going to play out because. We honestly witnessed on Saturday night one of the worst performances in Luke Falk's tenure at WSU. And so I I think we were all at that point where, okay, what we're doing right now is not working. It's just not working. So we need to find out a a different way of going about this. And I love how Leach mentioned in his press conference that he, he was honestly trying to show Luke Falk how easy it is out there which honestly Tyler Helenski in the fourth quarter made it pretty darn easy. He made it look pretty easy, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I think I think this was a I think it was a right move. I know there was a lot of people in, on social media and also on the radio waves on Monday and Tuesday complaining about, wow, you never pull out your starter quarterback. You always have faith in him, blah blah blah. This was such a dumb move by Mike Leach couldn't believe he would actually think about doing this and I honestly like if you were there watching the game and i don't even know if you have to be there you could have seen it from the from the television as well but honestly luke just didn't have it, it he honestly couldn't get through the mental phase of forcing the ball down the field and we've known with this, you know this has been a continuous topic about luke and his career here at wsu but honestly, you got to go back to the Colorado game when this whole trend has really began. Of really, when it was now five straight games of Luke just playing super tentative football and just not being aggressive. Obviously, we don't want the Connor Halliday aggressiveness, which I kind of saw flashes of that in Tyler Helensky. Yeah, so it gave me a little bit of fear. We don't really want to go that far, but we just need some ability to push the ball down the field and trust your receivers. I just don't know if he trusts the guys. Yeah, I don't know if he trusts them. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's honestly like it's like in baseball, right, Dave? When you have your starting pitcher out there and he's in third inning and he's already got he's already given up five runs and he's got guys on base, you know, at this point, the the general the the, the manager just realizes you know he just doesn't have it today. He mm-hmm. just doesn't have it. I got to go to the bullpen. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Leach did that. Obviously, I think that decision honestly gave WC the win. Like, he was being out coached for three quarters in that totally. Yeah. And he finally flipped the switch. And, he, and the reason why they won is because he's the better coach. And we're the better team. Like, we have better athletes. Yeah. So not only was, you know, do we have all the assets to win the game, and it shouldn't have been even close in that fourth quarter in overtime, shouldn't even have been close. But because we were being stubborn and, and just Luke didn't have it, he didn't have it. So right. you got to look to the next man up. And thankfully yeah, and he, he went that yeah. way.
1: You know, I was actually happy. You know, it was really like a good for Michael each moment when they benched Falk because there's this aura around Falk in this game. He actually became the all time WCU. um, Passing yards leader and just offensive yards leader overall. Uh, So it's kind of bizarre when that happens, but then you also bench that guy. There's an aura around Falk, right? Some people think he's he's, um, you know, are you know, some people would argue, mostly probably Coug fans, is top three, top five ish uh, quarterback in, in college football and maybe for the NFL next year. And could you really bench a guy like that if he's doing bad? But he. He he was. He seemed really hesitant. You know, there was fears from, from Montana State. You know, there was just a lot of dump and dink and just kind of, right. t- hey, defense was giving you. And we were fine with that. We talked about that. But it just felt really... Oh, just mo- just stuck in molasses a bit this game, the offense. And, you know, what the offensive line was not doing him any favors, which is really disappointing, and all the hype around this offensive line. So wasn't supposed to be one of the best in the nation. Um, and, you know, I saw a little bit of that with MSU, but it's a 31-point win, so I didn't complain. There was a shovel pass in that MSU game uh, where Jamal Morrow scored, and Andre Dillard runs down the field, and he just gets so – soft basically and and a linebacker a linebacker takes our left tackle and pops him Mm. right into the dirt just destroys him Jamal Morrow still scored so it's fine but it's like ooh that's not what you want to see out of your left tackle going after a smaller linebacker to get destroyed like that um, it feels like for some reason, you know, the, the offense was playing scared for a lot of that game. But I yeah. am really happy for Helensky because there's a lot of hype around some of our younger quarterback recruits, and for some reason, it feels like helensky has been forgotten. It's like Falk, and then it's these other guys. Um, you know, we got Drew Bledsoe's son. We got this guy Connor Neville. We got another guy coming up. You know, but not so much about Helensky, But what I really enjoy watching um, when he is on the field is his pocket mobility, right? You know, the offensive line is playing kind of poor like that. The dude is just, he never stops moving his feet. Um, you know, he's, he's just all over, he, you know, and sometimes that gets them in trouble cause he can, he can roll into pressure. Um, but it seems like he always has one play where you think he should get sacked and then he does some Houdini move and, and rolls out of there. Um, so I, 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 was, I was really happy for him to see him get lifted up on the shoulders, the back of quarterback sitting behind Falk all these years. Uh, that was great. Uh, now, Leach has already said that um, Falk's going to be the guy going forward. It's the right decision. I don't think there's a quarterback controversy here. Uh, but I was happy for Helensky. And the other guy I was really happy for was Jamal Morrow. Mm-hmm. Jamal Morrow balled out in this game. That third and two in overtime where he Wasn't got stopped incredible? In the twice was incredible, incredible, incredible for him to get a first down there.
0: Absolutely incredible to watch. I mean, honestly, to watch that live was – because that was such a pivotal point as well, and you just honestly thought, well, here we go. Washington State made this comeback all the way to get to overtime, and now they're just going to lose it in overtime because they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to get in, get the ball in the end zone and score <laughs> touchdowns in overtime. Oh. And sure enough, here comes Jamal Morrow, and he fights for every – Single inch that he can get, and gets the first down. I mean, it was honestly one of the most incredible individual efforts to to remain in standing and going forward. I think, and I think what that was one of the reasons why Leach has named him the actual official number one man <laughs> in the depth chart coming into this weekend, because it's always been it's always been um, Jamal Morrow and James Williams. We it, it always had the j- either or. Yeah. Option and Wicks back in the day and Wicks, yeah. And it used to be either or between all three of them, yeah. Um, so I think that's really cool to see. I'm curious to see now moving forward, Dave. And I, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about this Boise State game. But moving forward, I'm kind of curious to see what is going to happen with Luke. You know, yeah, is he sure. is this is that time off and watching the game from the sidelines and hopefully seeing how easy it is that he's going to be able to realize I've, I can be as aggressive as Tyler is because these guys are making plays. I just sure. honestly believe that he wasn't trusting his receivers that they were going to be open and that they weren't going yeah. to, to get to the spot that he needed them to be and he just didn't trust the windows that were open. And yeah, I think that he's going to realize, wow, these receivers that we have are good. They're not bad. Um, I wouldn't say they're, they're great, but I think they're good enough to get the job done in this system. He doesn't have a guy that he can rely on every time. And I think maybe um, Bell might move into that role a little bit. I mean, Holinsky loved Bell, throwing it to him on almost every crucial third down opportunity we needed in the fourth quarter in overtime. So I'm just curious to see how Luke's going to play. And obviously this is just the most blessing week to have for Luke to get his head straight.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you know, it's almost like like Falk he just wants so hard to not make a mistake right. opposed to make the play, which is kind of weird because we've seen him, you know, ball out and throw for 500, you know, yards before. Um but it just felt like he was focused so much on um on not messing up the um you know, the you know the throws on, on the interceptions and and he's been uh, concussed. Um, before quite a bit is a history of that getting thrown down.
0: Keep going, Dave. Sorry. But, oh,
1: sorry. Um, yeah. and <laughs> and um, I, I, meant, I, I meant... almost wondered like if he's, he's worried about getting injured again. Uh, if he's if he's right. worried about this and he's he's overthinking a little bit too much in his head. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I hope that's not the case. Um, it's scary when you have a history of concussions because you just become more prone to them. And when he, he got thrown into that turf. Mm. He got hit pretty bad, Mm. and I was worried that there's just... I feel like there's this lingering fear that Luke Falk is going to be the next Kevin Cobb, that he's going (laughs) to be maybe a second-round pick, come from a spread offense, go to a team, and then get uh, concussions in the NFL, and he'll have so many on his record that he right. will have to wear sunglasses in meetings like Kevin Cobb, or he'll be the next Clint Trickett, just be a coach somewhere because he's got so many concussions. That's a worry. The other thing that concerns me just about this offense, Kurt, it had me thinking we could not punch <laughs> it in from the one yard nah, line in three. overtime was to win the game. We threw it. Halinsky audible hmm. to a throw, which I believe was Isaiah Johnson. Mack dropped the ball. So it could have been a touchdown, but it got me wondering, Kurt, I have a question for you. Is, the the air raid offense, the worst goal line offense in college football. Well, is there a worse system to run when you are inside the ten?
0: Well, I don't think Washington State's really had that problem lately. Until sure. until well, obviously Boise State was just an awful performance inside the five, and I was just aggravating. But guess what? And this is the one thing I don't understand, and and I'm curious to you know pick Mike Leach's brain on this and I don't think anybody's really asked the question yet, is where's Gerard Wicks? What? The, Where they, is he? The, the, one, the one time that they brought him in, he, they brought him in on the one-yard line, and, and boom goes the dynamite. I mean, yep. the, he plowed his way into the end zone. He finally, he finally scored from the one-yard line. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you I, don't, know, I don't get it, and I, I, it's unfortunate because he's the big bruiser.
1: He's the big bruiser, but I feel a little like he's a bigger back but I'm not sure he's the back that seems to break tackle. I never. I'm not sure we've had that running back that has the ability or really to to really break that many tackles. At, at times, I think I remember the Oregon overtime game. Jamal Morrow had had some games where he, he was incredible, stayed up. But I, I don't necessarily think of him as a guy like he's going to get a lot of yards after contact. You know, he's he can take someone head on. Gerard Wicks has been talked about as that guy, but Gerard Wicks is kind of buried on the depth chart now. Yeah. They don't they don't really love his talent, it feels like, and I kind of feel like, yeah, at the one, I, I guess I probably would want him, you know, running that ball over the other running backs, but I don't really feel great, to be honest, about any of them, right. um, you know, having to, to really push for that extra yard. Um, I think Gerard Wicks is... Um, he's kind of overachieved for his, in some sense, his athletic ability. People talked about him being too stiff um, for Pac-12 football, um and, and he's had a good Pac-12 career I'm very happy that he's on the team but yeah. um you know I, I could have I think he still is lacking in some ways that makes sense as to why we don't really see him that much anymore but but seriously when you get down to the one how do you not just run it every time yeah. uh you just were haunted and I had to think that the, the whole stadium felt this Kurt was that Cal wcu game where we're on the one yard line it looked like wicks maybe got in they didn't call it there was just shades of that that was just panicking every i, I don't know it felt like it was i felt panicked you know uh watching that and and thinking that maybe we'll shank shank the kick yeah. nothing feels feels good and i just it's 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 frustrating to have that in the back of your mind to have you know maybe at times we'll, we'll look good on the goal line but to have that that cow game still kind of haunting so it was really good to get the win, um, but it was frustrating because it feels like we should have put it away a little bit earlier in overtime. Nonetheless, the fact that we came back at all was not incredible, absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was one of the most incredible games I've I had been able to watch there at Martin Stadium. Where do you I mean, rank it? I mean...
1: What, what would be higher? Think, That's a better question. I think the Is one, there any game you've yeah, seen in person that would
0: be the, higher? I would have to say that 2012 Apple Cup, just because it was the Apple yeah. Cup. I think it's the only you. reason why you have to put it ahead. But I mean it was one of the most incredible it was the one of the most incredible comebacks of all time just with 8 minutes to go. You're down 21. I mean, with 8 minutes left in the game, you're just feeling, wow, this is really just a sucky <laughs> deal. What, what were and people saying
1: in the stadium? Too? I
0: think we were, the, the stadium was pretty deflated. The pretty deflated, <laughs> and you can see the joy coming oozing out of all the Bronco fans. There were a lot of Bronco fans there lots of bronco fans in the stadium and so they were just oozing with it and uh i think that was that was just a really deflating moment and once luke left the game and and halenski came in we just thought all right well this is just damage control just get us through the rest of this game tyler you know i'm interested to see what you could bring to the table but there was like really hardly zero indication that we were going to be able to claw our way back into it, and sure enough, boom, 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 boom. Helensky finds um, – was it – uh, He found uh, – no, it was um, Calvin. Uh, oh, yes, it Jameer was Calvin, Jameer Calvin. Calvin. He found Calvin in the end zone. And then some just spooky
1: – I feel like that was a turning point. Oh,
0: Palure. 100%. And then Pallura picks it off. I mean, that was just an unbelievable – and I was just going off the rails when that I happened. I could not imagine what was happening. And then sure enough, uh, they go three and out. The place was rocking at that point. Um, and, uh, and then the punt off the back. I mean, that was just straight up out of this world. And, and it was just really cool to see Martin Stadium on its freaking head by that point in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth. Yeah. and. That was just really cool, and then obviously overtime. That was um, that was a lot of fun. It yeah, was excruciating them. in overtime, just because you just had just PTSD with the special teams in the kicking unit and field goal unit. Oh my! Gosh. And but <laughs> you know what? We learned a lot about Eric Powell in that game. That guy's yeah? got some balls. He can he's he's tough, and he's going to make some big time kicks for us this year. And I am really excited about that because we've been really scarred by our kicking unit and our field goal unit in the past. And I feel pretty confident with him in a, in a pressure cooker situation because he was certainly in a tough situation being that close to the, to the, to the uh, field goal and being from that angle as a lefty. It was yep. not actually a really easy kick.
1: Yeah, um,
0: that would definitely and took some P- focus. The
1: PATS, I think, too, are a little. People just think we should be automatic, but to tie the game up at the end of regulation yeah. is a little stressful. Yeah, if you miss this, you lose the game. You right. know, um, so I, I don't take that for granted either. But that's a great point. I, I really liked um, what was happening there. Um, you know, I wasn't so I wasn't at the game as as you know. Um, but I what I was on was was Twitter, um, seeing seeing and reading how other fans were reacting to it. And there's just this really toxic, angry <laughs> vibe that comes up when oh, WC starts losing games that they gosh. should not. Or, uh, you know, just like the the past FCS losses we've had. It was brutal. I mean, there are so many deleted tweets that I wanted to go back and say something snarky oh, to her huh? that were just gone. Um. But people were were like I said, they were talking about how much we're paying leech for this, and the, I'll never give a dime WC football again. Why do I right. even come to these games? And you know, hard to see us ever being ranked again after a pitiful performance like this. And you know, here we go again, Cougar football. You know, and you know, turd emojis or whatever. And uh. you know, some of that's just the fun of being a fan. It's true, but it's it's like it's like we're we've lost so much that we've been such a losing program for so long that like we can't deal with it anymore right. it just like kills our insides completely to just right. go nuts um, and then everybody flipped their tune we won the game it was so funny everyone started deleting their tweets and talking about how good WSU is but bottom line we're 2-0 we're right where we want to be um, OSU has starting corners out for the next game oh my god um, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but then after that we have a currently winless Nevada team after that um, so you know, end of the day, it doesn't matter how we got there. A win is a win. We're 2-0. and um, And Oregon State, um, what was it? They've allowed 58 points to Colorado State, 48 points to Minnesota, and 32 to Portland State, a game they just squeaked out. You have to think, if, if we're going to get our offensive mojo back, that this is a great opportunity for that to happen. How are you feeling about the Oregon State home game?
0: I mean, this obviously is your hope that this is going to be the opportunity. I know we just mentioned that this is a great opportunity for Luke to really figure things out. I mean, mm-hmm. this is just a perfect opportunity. This is his one team that he just absolutely can dominate with his eyes closed. <laughs> now, hopefully I don't screw up the juju there. But honestly, this is just a great, great opportunity for this offense to catch stride. Then you have another Nevada game after that. I mean, this is just such a critical time in, this, in the season to pick up these wins that you're supposed to pick up because it's going to get real tough later on. And, Dave, honestly, when you get through this stretch here of um, Oregon State and Nevada, you only need a couple more wins to go to a bowl. Exactly. And, and, honestly, because yeah. Kook fans going to a bowl game satisfies a lot of people. It doesn't really not satisfy me, not necessarily. I sure. want more Holiday Bowls, more Rose Bowls. You know, I'm yep. that floats my boat for sure. Yep. So, this is such a critical time to take care of business this weekend. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and we, it couldn't be a better p- opponent. Couldn't be a better of opponent. If if
1: you win games like this, you're not haunted like we have been the last 2 years of what could have been. You know, there's not the shoulda right. coulda woulda uh, right. Well, if would have beat Eastern, would have be Portland State, how would our bowl standings be? You you get these games that should be should be, you know, muddy in the bag for counting right. towards towards a better bowl. Um feels great now. Or I want to talk a little bit about Oregon State. Kurt, there was a lot of optimism about Oregon State going into this year. Um, you know, they—they, they, you know, what people say about college football is um, the rebuilding process goes lose big, lose close, win close, win big. And that Oregon State last year was kind of towards that lose close kind of mentality. You know, they were in a lot of games, but they just didn't really turn the corner. So then you thought, well, maybe they'll still be around lose close, or maybe they'll, they'll be right around win close with some games. A lot of people were projecting them to go to a bowl game. They barely beat portland state they got absolutely i mean 58 points from colorado state that's not good in minnesota which you know we've dealt with our problems with csu and, and minnesota and bowl games and psu so we, we can share in their pain right um but but minnesota should be a team that's a little more disheveled after losing their coach and everything that happened last year oregon state you know they got this junior college transfer from idaho originally actually You thought maybe they were building something to 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 be a more solid team. Their coach Gary Anderson is a renowned, you know, he's a pretty pretty well liked um, coach. People talk highly of him. Getting hired away from Wisconsin, Um, it's been a surprise to me. um, You know, and I live in the Portland area, so I've got some more Oregon State friends to kind of bounce off. But just how bad Oregon State has been so far? I mean, they look clearly like the bottom of the North when we when everyone was thinking it would be Cal. Um, so it'd be embarrassing to lose this team, um, but it's it's disappointing for for Oregon State. I don't know if you've watched any of their games, Kurt. If you have any thoughts on that or, or or how the Oregon State season's been so far.
0: Well, I haven't seen any of their games, but looking at their last you know few results, I think that tells me a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Colorado State scoring fifty eight points on them, but then the next week, what do they do? They can only muscle up three points against Colorado. Now Colorado, obviously, good defense. They're Minnesota. You no know, Colorado state dropped 58 points on
1: yes Oregon yeah, yeah.
0: State and then oh, oh and, and then you're saying and oh, then I and see, then Colorado State, far state far. comes back the next week and only scores right. three more <laughs> on <laughs> Colorado That's so bad. so it I mean that so just tells bad. you right there that there was some glaring issues Minnesota a big Ten school I don't even know if they've scored in the 40s in the last five years I mean that team they're they're one they're like an Iowa like they're just they're just pound you the pound the rock Time of possession, control the ball. Like they're not an explosive offense f- from the closest of things. Mm-hmm. And they dropped forty-eight points on Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is really, really an opportunity for Washington State to get things in in mm-hmm. high gear on offense. They're missing both of their corners. Luke Falk should be able I mean, should be able to I mean he is a Heisman, you know. Guy that talked about being the you know on the outside of the bubble looking in as as a Heisman contender you know yeah. or 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 even a first round draft pick some people thought he could be a first round quarterback pick coming yep. into the season you know so this is just a, a great opportunity for them to really catch stride I see the uh, offense and the the rushing attack really pick up where, you know, where they need to be after such a dismal outing against Boise State. And don't get me wrong, Boise State's going to be, Boise State's defense is pretty darn good. Boise they're State's legit. defense is and really they're young. good. They're, they're young, they're good, and they will be ranked by the end of the season. Guarantee you. That Boise State team will be good enough to get ranked. I think they're going to be, pretty much from this point on, I think they're going to win out. They're going to obviously have some tough tough games with, like, San Diego State in their conference play. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I think they're honestly going to maybe lose one more game, but they're gonna be a really, really good football team this year. And so I wasn't too down about how that ended and we even went into that Boise State game thinking, wow, that spread was way too high. We both way I, think, too high. I think we both predicted three and one point, one, one point victory. So That's right. Um okay. So, anyways, I think coming into this week, Oregon State really struggling. Jake Luton, a Marysville guy, representing. Um, wow, really? Yeah. Your high school? Oh yeah, he was uh, a couple years younger than I was there at MP, and uh, he ran that wing T offense, which doesn't fit his arm and his style. <laughs> How did at he all. make it D
1: one in the uh, wing T offense well, as a quarterback? He
0: has the attributes to do it. I mean, the guy's six seven. He's two. What is he like? Two. Um, I think he's like two thirty or something like that. Oh, big boy! Well, he might might be a little bit slimmer. That yeah, he's 234. 6'7", 234 <laughs> pounds. So what a load! Yeah, he is a big, big guy with a huge arm, and uh, he's what got some. What did do math- at
1: Marysville? Tell me some highlights. How far did they go?
0: Um, the year that he was quarterback was actually the year that so my brother was the um was the running back, and then my brother took over quarterback when he left, and um. He uh I mean they ran the wing T offense and so they didn't throw the ball a whole lot. Um but when he did, uh he was he wasn't he wasn't that bad. He wasn't that bad. And he I think when Idaho went after him, I think they were definitely going after his physical attributes. Yeah. And hopefully we're going to be able to convert him into more of a passing quarterback. He I mean he had all the all the intangibles that you were really wanting at the, at the quarterback spot. And then he went to Ventura Uh, Community College, which is actually the JUCO school that a previous Marysville-Pilchuk quarterback went. Um, uh, Mr. Howell, who was a quarterback when I was a freshman sophomore at Marysville-Pilchuk, he was a quarterback of the senior football team. He went to Ventura after MP, set all the records, passing records for the conference and for that school. Jake Luton goes to Ventura about 10 years later, and he ends up breaking all of Howell's records there. Wow. So two MP guys have the top two passing <laughs> records at Ventura <laughs> Juco School. And That's funny enough, so then he, then, you know, then he ends up at, at, uh, at Oregon State. And there's, there's just a lot of hype around him coming into the season. It was. And, and honestly, like he hasn't been terrible. He, has, he hasn't been terrible. Now, he has four, four touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, 674 yards. He has more yards than Luke does. He has more completions, but obviously more attempts. He's at 61% completion rate right now. Falk's completion rate is a lot higher. But more yards, more touchdowns, but also more interceptions. So, um, and if you look at the passing game right now, they're averaging just about two twenty eight per game. So mm. they they could be better. In that realm, but I also think a lot of that has to do with their defense. And their defense is terrible. 46 points allowed per game right now. That is brutal. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of crazy to think about. So they're, uh, what are they? They're three games in, right? Yeah. They're, they're three. One games, with an they're they're one and two. And Ryan Nall has not been the Ryan Nall that we saw last year. What is up with that?
1: That is really surprising. Is Ryan just, Nall, the wrecking Nall. Yeah. That man was a. Beast. I yeah. mean, he was he was Hulk in the Civil War last year. They ran it like, I mean, some Oregon fans are going to correct us on this, some Oregon State fans like eighteen or twenty one times in a row to end the Civil War, and he was just running the ball over and over right. and over and over. He just killed that entire game. Um, you know, he he would have worried me a little bit in preseason talking about you know we thought our defensive line depth was was not so good and going against you know kind of power run teams. Um, so that that's a bit of a surprise. Kurt, I got a question for you about about Jake Luton. Then, if you if you've got some inside knowledge, I, w- I want to know what you thought of his leadership um, skills or, or abilities or how natural that came to him. Now, one of my good friends um, works for 1080 The Fan, um, yeah. you know the, the radio network down here that covers Oregon State and Oregon football, and he's got some connections to that Oregon State football team, and he's mm-hmm. he's an Oregon State fan himself. That's where mm-hmm. he went. And I asked him, "What's going on with your team? What's going on with the Beavers?" And his thing that he said he felt like, and after talking with some of the players, was that was there was just a real lack of leadership. That they've got talent. Their recruiting classes have actually been pretty similar to WSU's in the last few years, but it was just a bunch of guys. It's just a bunch of guys playing. They don't really have the guy. They don't have someone that that will um, you know stand up and, and that you can count on and that will take control and that really that should come from the quarterback. So right. I maybe thought, oh, maybe. Maybe this guy's is, uh, you know, coming in as a JUCO, not having any relationships previously on the team. Maybe he's struggling a little bit there. But I don't, I don't, I don't know if if you had any any thoughts on that with with knowing him a little bit more.
0: Well, he's he definitely won't fit that leadership role. I'll tell you okay. that right now. I mean, he um, he comes from a little bit of a tough. No, nah, I shouldn't say a tough family. He's he, he yeah, he's not. Mentally equipped to be that <laughs> leadership role. Let's just say that. All right. Is yeah, there's so nice. there's a little bit of ego thrown in there. There's a little bit of selfishness thrown in there, um, and I don't want to harp on. He's he's a nice guy. He's no, a really he's an MP
1: guy. He's a Marysville yeah, coach. That guy. I Don't hate a, him too. He's much.
0: a nice guy, but just knowing the family he comes from, and and then you know just hearing stories about him when he was playing ball, I just think that that's uh, an interesting guy that they would have to lean on for a leadership position. And I'll tell you right now, it's not him. And I'm surprised they're not looking at Ryan Nall. Like, I just thought that guy coming in this season was their workhorse. Like, he was going to be the guy that was going to be able to turn this program around. And they just can't do it. A lot of that has to do with their offensive line. They're still young. They're probably still – there's still probably not a ton of Pac-12 talent across the offensive line right now. So – that could also be a major issue but the, when, yep. when your when your defense is just struggling like it is and you're trying to press press it and 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 throw the ball down the field every time I, that is the reason why Ryan All is just not involved in their offense a bit so yeah so it's,
1: it's a shame for them so we've talked about Oregon State yeah. um so I want to get a prediction out of you I want to know um, you know make these every week um, you know, after the game, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think uh, we'll be talking about next week?
0: Well, I think we're going to be talking about how well Luke Falk looked and and coming back to his old self. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's what we're going to be really talking about. I think we're going to really see him take that stride of just being able to rely on his skills. He's got some really good skills. Now, does he have the overpowering arm? No, but he's got some some brains. He's smart. And he does have the skills to, 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 to dice up this Oregon State defense. Um, yep. And I think we're going to see him trust his receivers. So I think we're really going to see him jump back out and not be so shy and scared throwing the football. And Washington State's going to run away with this thing. I, they're favored by 21. I honestly think this could be a drop 60 moment. I think this is wow. going to be, I think the hashtag drop 60 is going to be potentially being thrown out there, Dave.
1: Okay. So, so, um, that's interesting you say that, it, that it's a 21 point spread. I actually did not know the spread, um, uh, until you just mentioned it. And, and I see this game being a lot like, um, it reminds me of Stanford last year, early on in the season, but, um, it's, it's the game that kind of gets your mojo going you yeah. know we we were kind of WCU has been notorious under Leach for being a slow starting team and then they catch fire and go and I feel like this is that spark and Stanford last year also had both their corners out and we ended up throttling that team at Stanford which felt great I, I've I, I see the same thing as you Kurt. I see I see Falk having a big game I see 45-24 WSU, but you sound like maybe you're going to go a little bit higher with your with your uh, with your offensive production here. Uh, I think
0: they're going to definitely score in the 50s this weekend. I mean, you're probably going to be looking at like a 57. You're going to be looking at like a 57-17. I mean, our defense is playing like right down. That's something we haven't talked about really today, Dave. Is our defense yeah. against Boise State? They are just playing optru- opportunistic. They are just playing some tough football, and the offense was really pinning pinning them in a tough spot. A number of times. So, mm-hmm. um, I think this defense is really going to, Matafa, and, and how awesome is it to see Luvu um, uh, really come about. Um, Aguayo, and obviously Palluer, who was my guy to watch for this coming into this season, is him being the standout guy, and him taking now the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. I think he's kind of on track for my prediction of being a uh, one of the top linebackers in the in the conference, being the First teamer of uh, the middle linebacker core. So he's, uh, he's, mo- he's working his way into that. So. Um, I think this defense is really going to have a heyday on this offense too.
1: <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good point. We haven't talked about the defense enough. And one question I wanted to ask you earlier. This will be the last question, and then I'd love to talk about the the, the Seahawks game and what's coming for them. But um, was was what I feel like what surprised me? What we've learned so far. And you know, uh, you know, week zero when we're talking, I I was. Just like I think a lot of Cougar fans were, were worried about the defensive line, that they'd get run over, you know, that we've got to put pressure on the quarterbacks, we've got some defensive ends, but the depth and how well they'll play and what we felt really good about was the offensive line, you know, being um, what should be the, the maybe the best unit in the Pac-12 right. Um and it's been the opposite. I feel like is what we've learned so far is is the offensive line has really struggled, um, has hurt the offense, um, has has made a lot of mistakes, has looked soft at times, and the defensive line has really surprised me with how well they have played. That Frankie Luvu hit on Rippin is oh, real. People talk you. that up, and when I actually saw that, it like, I mean, it was one of those moments. You're just like, <gasps> oh my gosh, did he just? Did I just witness a death? Did I just witness a murder that just happened in a football hmm. game? That was incredible. Um, it, it was, so we got to give Grinch some credit too, uh, with making this defense roll um, when they feel a little bit thin in in, in some spots. Uh, the defensive line they're they're making it happen, uh, and it goes with Phelps, our D line coach. I mean. People were talking about him as being a good hire, but so far the early returns are very, very promising. Is there anything, though, Kurt? I can put the question back on you, is there anything that you feel like you've learned so far that surprised you about WCU? And and we're still only two weeks in uh, keeping that in mind.
0: I think I'm super surprised that our special teams is playing as well as it is. Mm -hmm. Like our special teams has finally become a Pac-12 special teams unit. So mm-hmm. that is huge for us to, to to take that next step because that was always something we were worried about. We got ourselves a kicker. Special teams was a huge part in that comeback. I think special teams is what is really um, showing up for, uh, especially last weekend. But I think they're really going to take the next turn. And obviously the defense, um, I still have a ton of question marks about our corners. I just don't know if our corners, they got beat on some deep balls this week and that should not have happened. Yep. I'm still concerned a little bit about our secondary at the corner position. So, yeah. But if you're going to say what's one thing that's really surprised you, I'm my worries of a punt being muffed or a punt being blocked or a field goal being missed or a PAT being blocked, I think a lot of that's dissipating, which is crazy to say. And uh I think that's a that's a great feeling to have is that we can have some some substantial confidence in our kicking game.
1: Nah, amen. So. Um that's a great point. You don't want to overlook the special teams. They kind of seem like the, the the forgotten stepchild of the three phases of a football game. Um but anyways, I feel like we've covered WCU and o and, yeah. this, and BSU and OSU. I'm looking forward to watching the OSU game, but Seahawks football, NFL football kicked off last week and it was a pretty lackluster start overall. There weren't a lot of good games, weren't a lot of close games. Thankfully those Monday night games uh, just actually game i should say the the chargers denver game kind of redeemed it a little bit so we went out on a good note um that seahawks game was talked up as, as one of the best games of the week those are your two teams to be in the nfc championship games two of the top um, uh, teams in the nfl overall and it was a real stinker of a game to yeah. watch uh, as a fan in a lot of Seahawks fans, if you talk to them or if you seem to gauge the temperature online, it really feels like they think the sky is falling. Kurt, is the sky falling on Seahawks oh, oh, after week one? It certainly
0: is. It certainly <laughs> is. Let me tell you something. That offensive line will not win us a single game this year. I mean, that is just horrendous what we saw. I mean, Russell was running for his life every game every, or every snap every snap he was running for his life <laughs> it was unbelievable to watch just such d- dysfunction and it's not like the packers defense is the all all-world defense i mean their defense is not bad it's pretty it's good but it's not it's not top 5 in the league so
1: no, it looked like it was top it 5 it definitely in looked like
0: it was top 5 and our offensive line sure made it look like it was top 5 in in the league they were getting blown on their butts all day long and <laughs> it doesn't look good up front Dave honestly no. it doesn't it doesn't look good and uh one thing you can say that looks really good is that defense man did that yes. defense come out and really show that they're not going anywhere and they have the ability to shut down some of the one of the best quarterbacks in the league the best receiving core in the league I mean they really really put it to that Packers offense and that was mm-hmm. so awesome to see but you just you feel bad for them you feel bad for them because it's like guys i'm sorry you're putting all your effort out there but your offense is not going to help you one bit so you're <laughs> going to have to score three touchdowns on defense to win the game uh, no. and unfortunately, and they, one, of got, and one, one, unfortunately one of them got and one unfortunately one of them got back call back so what that a horse
1: sucks. crap call out was. And that was awful. <laughs> officiating uh,
0: certainly so- didn't help. As Ooh. And we still had chances to win that game for how bad that offense, offensive line was. We still had certainly a um, ton of opportunities to win that football game. And the officiating really put a hamper on that. I, I don't want to blame things on the officials, but, man, there were some just brutal calls that you just you just can't imagine being made.
1: No, the no call so, on Jimmy Graham. That, that was, was unbelievable. Can, that was up there with the Oregon WCU. Let me let me tackle yeah. the Oregon WCU game of three years ago. Let me tackle, just straight up tackle the wide receiver who catches the ball. Jimmy Graham literally was holding two people up on hanging on his arms trying to go for that ball. And they supposedly, Jimmy Graham said, thought it was an uncatchable ball. But usually you really give the benefit of the doubt when there's pass interference. That if you have a six-seven yeah. receiver, that if it's really in the area that you're gonna call it that was that I still feel like we probably would have lost that game. because I felt like we were getting outplayed towards the end. Um, it seemed like Aaron Rodgers started to click, but I mean, we would have at least had the lead um, with, with uh, the, right. the Nas Jones pick six and being on the one uh, with first. and oh. goal. So, okay. So I think there's a lot of bad to take away. I actually, just to, just the optimist I am, Kurt. We can talk a little bit more about the bad. I think there's a, been a, plenty, plenty of people who have been moaning and groaning about uh, of this game in a lot of ways, and, and we will do that a little bit more of that. But I want to talk about what's really been good. You talked about the defense. There's two other points I, I wanted to talk about, and um, that that I think has been good. And it's a small sample size; it's just one week and preseason. But you know who's been really good for us? Speaking of WC special teams, is is Uh, Seahawks special teams, Blair Walsh. I had this bad feeling in my stomach that we just made a mistake signing Blair Walsh. I wasn't necessarily thinking that we had to have Hoshka, but that it's such a mental game being a kicker, and Walsh played you know, he, we all know that he missed the the field goal to win it against us, and that messes with you. But he didn't really have that good of a season last year. It felt like we soft out Hoska, who struggled a little bit last year for another guy who struggled that was a little bit cheaper. Yeah. but it just felt like that's going to bite us in a playoff game, and that still might. But so far, he's been pretty much nails for us. He he missed one what fifty two yard field goal I think in preseason that was short. Otherwise, he was he seemed excellent. He was three for three in the game, and you suddenly feel. Really confident that it just feels like maybe this is our next automatic guy, and 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 the Seahawks have really had good fortune with their kickers. I feel like over the last few years, whoever they put in just seems to be pretty automatic, and Walsh might be that next guy. So I felt good about that. The other guy that I that I enjoyed watching when there was time to throw and make a play was Paul Richardson. He got nine targets and it just seems like it's almost routine now. If you go to Paul Richardson enough that any game he plays and he's going to make one absolutely incredible catch. And he had one where the corner was draped all over him, just all in his chest, hands up and he just jumped skied up into the up there, yeah. got it and pulled down right in the sidelines. And that's, I think if you, if if you've been following Paul Richardson, you know, that's just how he, that's just who he is. That's not like a, it's not a fluke anymore. He has that talent, you know, injury is always a big concern with him. So, Outside of the defense, which I was really happy with, especially Sheldon Richardson, he was in on every single play, it felt like, on defense. I felt like I was always hearing his name. We had something like four sacks on Rodgers, nine quarterback hits. You had to be really happy with that defense. They only allowed 10 points, really. They allowed seven more because... Well, because really you could blame our offensive line, let someone through, and Russell fumbled the ball, and they scored the next play because they were on the five. Uh, The defense looks like it's going to be the top unit in the NFL. I still feel good about that. But I want to talk about a little bit of the good. We can talk more about that. Was there anything else you saw or took away from the game that you could maybe feel good about, Kurt?
0: Well, that defensive line is going to be really anchoring down what they can do on defense. I think that defensive line is just going to give – they're just going to wreck havoc all throughout – all throughout the NFL this season, so they're going to really be the catalyst of them causing problems, and then the secondary is going to just kind of clean it up and, and finish people off. So that was really awesome to see, sort of see, because I was actually kind of curious. A lot of people talked about this defensive line just hyping things up, and we actually didn't see really a lot of domination up front throughout the preseason. So I was like, man, is this is is Michael Bennett getting a little too old or? I mean, to some of these guys that we draft, are they going to be able to step up and, and make plays? And I think we saw that this weekend is yeah. that that defensive line is really just going to take things over and yeah. really propel this defense to, to being number one in the league. So that was really exciting to see. And honestly, I thought, I thought Russ played pretty good. I thought Russ, for what he was given – had opportunities to uh, to move us down the field. He didn't make any really stupid mistakes. He made a couple. He missed a couple throws. And he's
1: notorious I, against the Packers yeah, for throwing interceptions.
0: Yeah, I think he just he didn't look terrible. He just was running for his life every play, and he had to make he had to make plays on his feet, and he had to make plays with guys in his face all night long. So I think um, I think it's kind of a, a tough one to to judge on his on his end. But I did think that he played pretty good for what he was given and man when he when he gets in that sort of up tempo offense he really can get things clicking especially when he starts connecting with Doug Baldwin so Absolutely. Um so I mean he looked pretty good the the running game is a little bit of a concern but I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. They couldn't block for any of those guys. Lacey just didn't look the way I thought he would look. Nah, you were um, hyped on him. I was a little not, hyped. He just didn't nah. look very good, but I just think that uh nobody can really run well. You take away Chris Carson's big long was it, thirty seven yard or thirty one yard run. He yeah. take away his his that one long run and in general the offensive rushing game was just not there and now that, that has to do with the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line has to give you a few holes to choose from to to run through and if you constantly have to dodge two different guys in the backfield when you get the ball, that you're just not setting yourself up for success. So I'm not going to put a ton of blame on Eddie Lacy and uh in that rushing attack. So I you think know, that's I'll go, be I'll go
1: the opposite there, Kurt. I don't know what it is. I'm just not a believer in Lacey. I honestly feel like Rawls and Carson are the more talented guys. That's your first and second down but back. Rawls is, precise. Rawls precise is, is, is your third guy. And then Lacey, I don't know. Lacey's on a one-year deal. I don't see him being a Seahawk next year. I know it's r- really early returns, but I just, for some reason, just don't feel like he fits fits the Seahawks.
0: David, I I mean, he wasn't given really an opportunity. And, I I mean, I just don't see Rawls being healthy. The guy can't stay healthy.
1: Well, he's supposed to come back this week in San Francisco. Well, I, how much he's going to play, I don't know. Yeah, um, we'll, be, well, that'll that's be wait. Why to I see picked Chris Carson up in fantasy football as well because he can't stay healthy.
0: <laughs> right, right. So I mean, that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. So I don't know.
1: So I I, I I saw something online. I was reading about that. That's just kind of a fun fan theory right now Jimmy Graham one of the best tight ends in football for a little while was the best tight end in football and when he's clicking with Russ he seems like he's unstoppable didn't do much of anything now again Russ is running for his life it's easy for us to look back at plays and say oh Russ this guy was open you missed your read but when you've been hit you know uh, yeah. You've been sacked by Mike Daniels already, and he's hit, He's knocked you down another three or four times. It's not so easy to think, oh, of course, that guy was wide open because your mind's racing. You're thinking about so many things. easy for us to go back and do that. But would you trade Jimmy Graham right now for, let's just say, an above-average one offensive line? 100%. 100%. 100%.
0: Honestly, Luke Wilson can do everything that Jimmy Graham's doing right now.
1: Ooh, Jim, well, Jimmy a Gra- I
0: mean, Jimmy Graham <laughs> is playing some – uninspired football at this moment is it his fault he's one of the most he's one of the most disappointing disappointing guys in that offense at this time yeah and i just i'm done i'm done we say it every year he's good for making a few catches every year that nobody else can make but i mean he made a couple awesome incredible one-handed catches last year but the dude just doesn't take over games like he used to i just don't know if he's a threat and I don't know if it was I, and and the thing is is I got to be a little careful here because I don't know how much of it is on um bevel and the offensive scheme especially yeah. when we get to, we got in the red zone 3 times, Dave. We got in the red zone 3 times yeah. last weekend. And they couldn't they couldn't find a way to get the ball into his hands. And I don't know if that's just his effort. He wasn't he just it just didn't look like he was in, being incorporated in the offense. And when we threw to him, I mean, that drop he had on the near sideline, that looked pathetic. Yeah, I think he had another drop over the middle earlier in the game. It's just, I don't know. He's just not a good fit. If it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. It's, it's, and you're paying it's the annoying. guy too much, and I th- honestly think Luke Wilson will do just a decent. He's done it before. Luke Wilson has yeah. been a pretty good player for, for the Seahawks before the bomb showed up.
1: Oh, <laughs> those are some harsh words for Jimmy Green. I'm done with like it.
0: I'm over it. You
1: are over it. You have to, I think, for, it's annoying that every year after year after year, we always start so slow offensively. And this year feels particularly bad, Um, you know, just with, with the offensive line. I've seen some bad offensive line play, and that felt particularly Bad. Um, but then it feels like things get figured out a little bit. And when they're clicking with Jimmy Graham, it feels really good. He does look almost unstoppable and, and very important to, to the offense. Um, but it feels like. Uh, like there needs to be a shift in in how things are are working because we're paying Jimmy Graham a lot of money and we're not paying our offensive line anything. And I almost, you know, there's like this obsession you always hear. Like since Pete Carroll has showed up of this big receiver, it started with Mike Williams, then you had Sidney Rice. Heck, we even had T.O. in training camp a little bit. They want this big receiver, you know, and Jimmy Graham was that for them. Um, and they're willing to pay him money to, to have it happen. And th- that's not bad. That's uh, They they know a lot more than I do, but that, that's their philosophy. But it feels like we're now paying receivers, but we're not paying the offensive line. Right. And you can't throw to these receivers if your quarterback's in the dirt. right? Um, and, and so for me, I'd rather go back, um, you know, uh, one of the more enjoyable times I feel like in CX football, obviously. I mean, right when Russ was a rookie around that time, 2012, 2013. But you've had – baldwin and tate now tate was a higher pick but he was on a rookie deal you had baldwin as an undrafted guy making plays and you're and you had a decent offensive line you had a defense a decent offensive line guys who've had success elsewhere in the nfl you know after leaving the seahawks guys who showed that they can they can play um and and you just trust your quarterback to make the plays um to kind of maybe overcompensate for, for some wide receivers that maybe you know weren't all that necessarily Um, And and I'd like to see a shift back to that. I'd like to see us um, spend some more money on the offensive line. Now, we did with Britt, which is good, um, but not be paying, you know, I guess Jimmy Graham. I, I agree with you on that, but I'm really hoping that it is another year where you know it'll take us 6 weeks and we'll shuffle the offensive line 12 times but that we do figure it out because when things are rolling they are rolling and and you can make up for having a bad offensive line when you've got uh, a quarterback that can run around and be mobile and buy time that can Houdini and do that if if Russell Wilson ever goes down and we have to put Austin Davis in or a pocket a real pocket quarterback oh, we're in trouble it is going to be a train wreck offensively i mean we will be a a very bad offensive uh, offensive team. Um, Darren Bevel. people. It's, it's incredible how loyal Pete Carroll is too. You wonder, you know, Bevel has had a, a, I think there was a time when he had like three or four straight top 10 points per game offenses. So I, I don't think he's as bad as everyone says he is, uh, right. but you wonder what would it take to get cable or Bevel fired? Cause we've, we've drafted a lot of picks on the O-line and high picks. We're not neglecting it in the draft, but we do not Seem to know how to develop it. There isn't anyone that's promising. What do you think it would have to take to to let those guys have Pete Carroll fire
0: them? I think I think honestly, if this continues, it's going to be cut Cable's last year. It has to yeah. be. It's ha- you've gone through this what three th- three, three straight years now? At three least. straight years, you've been having to deal with this, and you've been putting so many of your resources in the draft into the offensive line, and nothing's panned out. Nothing mm-hmm. has. So I I just I don't understand why they continue to go down this path with this unit and continue to 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 run this offense the way that it, it the way that it is and and they don't have the talent to make it happen they don't it is frustrating. extremely frustrating so you know what dave thankfully this weekend should be 2-0 <laughs> Yes. this weekend the Cougs are playing oregon state and they're going to poop all over them <laughs> and then Seattle is going to be coming home, and they're going to be taking taking on San Francisco, and they should be pooping all over them too. So, <laughs> the
1: lowly Niners. What do you think? What yeah, do you think is going to happen? I think this weekend. I
0: think this weekend again, sort of like what we talked about for WSU. This this weekend is going to be really about the offense, really trying to find its identity back, running the yeah. football, and really trying to find a way to slow down a rush, uh, a, you know, a pass rush because. That is their soul. That is the one thing that we're going to be looking at this weekend is can we actually hold a defensive line for more than two seconds? <laughs> like, Can we just hold them maybe for two seconds if not three seconds? That might be asking for too much. but
1: That's asking a lot, I feel like, actually. It's
0: just brutal, man, and I think this is just a great weekend. It's for both these squads to really kind of iron out their kinks a little bit. And really get things rolling. So, I think this is going to be a great weekend. The Seattle Seahawks should blow them out. I I should say that they're going to blow them out. It's a division. It's a divisional game. But they're going to. I think the Seahawks are going to win a like a twenty-eight. They're going to win a twenty-eight to ten win here. Okay,
1: so. you know what I, I I'm very similar in my prediction actually. You know um, what you talked about. is Everyone's gonna think this is gonna the Niners are they are the lowly 49ers right now, and that uh, that we're just gonna that we're gonna smoke them. Their D line is actually raw. DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead are a really good defensive line to rebuild a franchise around, and I think it's gonna give us trouble, and people are gonna that first half going to be like really we can't get it going against the Niners you know how, what how how good is this team actually but i think it will click eventually their offense is really bad our defense is great so i only see them scoring 7 points and i see the Seahawks figuring out a little bit more with Thomas Rawls being back to run the ball i see him winning 31-7 at home um and Seahawks football is back to 500 just like that
0: <laughs> just like that and i think i think people going into that green bay game i don't think a lot of people thought Seattle was actually going to win that game. They so, weren't favored. No, they weren't. So no. that's one of the few games they probably won't be favored this year. I'd yes. be I'd actually be surprised if they're not favored for the rest of the year. I mean, looking at that schedule, depending, I mean, depending on how they go, but um I mean, if you're looking at the schedule currently right now, there's there's a I don't really see. I mean, the only game I guess I could see them not being favored in is that Atlanta game in the middle of the in the middle of the year in November? Yep. But if you look at everybody else, I mean, they should be favored over Arizona, Dallas, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Washington, yeah. Houston, New York. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be favored for the rest of this year. And then yeah. they got a tough game next week after the Forty ers against Tennessee. They got to go to Tennessee, so um, they need to get this win this week and they need to really take care of business and get her done. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we're gonna make it happen this weekend. We're gonna be yeah. two and O between our Cougs and Seahawks.
1: I like it. I think it's so. I think it's gonna be some big wins. Hopefully, boring games yeah. in a good way on both sides. But uh, I'm feeling good. I don't think the sky is quite falling with the Seahawks. It seems to happen every year with both Cougar and Seahawk football that it starts really right. slow. I still got faith. We're just two weeks in with WSU. We're just one week in. I think they will continue to get better. Pete is an internal optimist. He's just focused on getting better, not blowing it up. But we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if Schneider had some more moves up his sleeve to try and improve this offensive line because the Super Bowl window, like we talked about, it's small. I still feel like It's closing. I still feel good that this team is, is going to be holding the Lombardi at the end of the year. Um, but, hey, just one week at a time, San Francisco. Um, looking forward to watching it.
0: I can't wait. And uh, we got ourselves a playoff race here, Dave. We got our Seattle Mariners winning again, getting back to 500. And now, three games out of the wild card. It's interesting. We've got Felix coming back next week and uh, James Paxton after that. I think uh, Seattle sports in the Northwest is getting interesting, Dave. It's getting if real interesting. Could,
1: I'm going to challenge you, Kurt, on this one. You're a man of many words. If you could try and sum up Mariners season in one sentence, and I'll allow a run on sentence. I won't knock you too much for it. If you could allow in one sentence what you'd say the season has been, if it's been disappointing, if it's been about what you'd expect, whatever. How would you describe uh, the 2017 Mariners baseball season so far? And there's only 15 games left, so we'll, we'll do a recap at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it winds down, what, what would you say about the, about the, about the, about the year?
0: Disabled list. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's that's the only thing that I've heard all season long is this guy's been put on the disabled list. I mean, it's just it's been honestly incredible to see as many guys we've seen coming on and off the disabled list. I mean, you're looking at the entire pitching staff at one point this season was on the disabled list. So you had bad. Paxton, you had Paxton, uh, Iwakuma, Felix, Smiley, and uh, I don't know, And whoever, whoever else was supposed to be the fifth man. Miranda yeah. was never, Miranda's the he's, only one that didn't make it on the disabled list. He's still he wasn' even supposed guy. To, he wasn't even supposed to be the number five guy. that was supposed to be uh, Gallardo. and Gallardo <laughs> didn't even make it through the season. So. so rough. How does that – okay, I'm
1: not really you, – maybe you can educate me and maybe all the other very lukewarm baseball fans out there. So being a big NFL fan, football guy, you're watching players slam their body in each other basically as hard as they can, and guys pop right back up. Baseball, for the most part, is a non-contact sport. You do have guys run to each other in the outfield, run to the wall and stuff. But how, how does it happen where you have so many injuries – Playing baseball, what what is there something that's been hampering all of them? Has it all been real different things? I mean, They've what's been going been on with all the pitchers? Things.
0: They've been all different things, but the problem is when you throw a baseball, Dave. It when, throwing a baseball is actually one of the most un um, yes coordinated, unnatural, m- unnatural. Yeah. Thank you, unnatural yeah. motions your body could sustain, and these guys have been doing it thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Mm-hmm. So the 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 way it's been said is dave a pitcher or even just a baseball player it's like it's like a car okay and a car has so many miles that it will be able to go, right? It's gonna at some point the miles, you're gonna hit that 200557 200, mile point in your in your vehicle and it's just gonna die. Something's gonna happen and it's just it's just gonna die. Right. And then you it's you can't fix it. Or it's gonna cost so much more to fix it than it is to actually just buy a new one, right? Yep. The same thing goes for a baseball player and more specifically a pitcher. Okay, a pitcher has so many throws in his arm and you never know when it's going to come. You never know when that moment, when that last throw is going to be your last pitch. So this for for a pitching staff, when when you whenever you feel not right in your arm, you're going to shut it down. You're just going to shut it down. Did you really
1: throw their last pitch. Was that all of our pitching staff this I mean, year? When no, they all I, hit that I, moment where you never know what's be the kinda, last one, and then kinda. you just put pitcher, pitcher, pitcher up, and they, they all were like, "Yeah, that was yeah, that was the last one." That was the last. La- yeah, one.
0: exactly. I mean, well, it, it, it honestly is incredible, and so these guys know that they only have so many throws in their arm. That any sort of discomfort, any sort of pain that they might get because it's such it is such an unnatural motion that. When they ever feel that they're 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 shutting it down, they're like, yeah, I'm not, I can't throw, I can't do it, no, I can't do it. Have Johnny throw because <laughs> it's 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 not good and, and it's just the way the way it is, and it's it's just unfortunate that's it's happened. And it doesn't help that you know Felix is getting older, Iwakuma is pretty old. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unfortunate to see what happened to Smiley what this about year. Mike
1: the Man Leak? Yeah. Are you feeling Leak, good about that?
0: Well, Leak pitched really well against Texas, <laughs> you know, giving up one run. He pitched fantastic. What a great move that was for, for the Mariners to, to get him. So uh, with everybody back, it is going to be mighty interesting to see what kind of run they can get on now. So they're back to five hundred 73 73-73. They're three games back. Um, LA is going to take the win over Houston, so they're going to be a half game ahead of the Mariners in the uh, in the wild card. Um, so, the, so the Mariners still have to jump jump the uh, Angels to to get the next spot. Hmm. But I think um, I think guys are starting to get a little healthy here, and Haniger starting to get get healthy after getting uh, after his hamstring and then also getting hit in the face with a baseball. Um, hmm. He's starting to get healthy and is really starting to click. Mike Zanino dropping another bomb in that Texas suit. It's incredible. So he's starting to get hot again. Um, you're hoping that Segura gets back to what he was he was doing. You know, a month or month and a half, two months ago. So I, you're, you're hoping that these guys are going to start getting hot. The offense is starting to turn around. The pitching's coming back. They're starting to get their ammo, and they might make a big time push to the end of this season. So I hope so. Uh, it's hard receiver. to have.
1: It's hard to have faith and the Northwest of the Mariners because they have been what feels like the Browns of the MLB, not in the terms of just losing a lot, but for, for lack of playoff appearances, it has been, is it the longest streak? Do you know, Kurt and MLB? 21 it's tied
0: for the, for the longest streak right now. And so, uh, I believe, uh, yeah, they actually do have the old, the, the, the all time win streak, but there is one other one that I guess it was a sham. It was by the, uh, so By the Cubs in like the 1930s, something like oh, that, sure. where okay. it was like overlapping between two seasons, something uh, like that. And so it would, yeah, I think that one actually counts, but it shouldn't. So, and
1: we, I don't want ch- not to, ch- not really changing subjects, but I feel like it has to get addressed because it just happened as just a shout out being a sports fan in general, even though this is mostly around Northwest sports. The Cleveland Indians, Kurt, yeah. set the record with 21 straight Isn't wins. Incredible. Good for them. Yeah. After having you know, after losing the World Series last year, and everybody was rooting against them because everybody wanted to see the curse broken with the Cubs, it kind of felt bad for them. And now this yeah. year, that is an unreal streak, and it warrants at least a small part of our podcast. That is that is awesome. It's congrats pretty incredible, to the Cleveland Indians. They need to change their mascot maybe around a little bit. But congrats to the Cleveland Indians yeah. on, on twenty-one that's, straight wins.
0: That's pretty amazing. That's one of the most incredible feats you can have to honestly yeah. do. So. Pretty cool to see. Pretty cool to see. Um, Yeah. Well, Dave, I think we got a lot jam-packed in there tonight.
1: We put a lot in, and just like we always do, Kurt, we say, yeah, we got plenty of stuff to talk about, but we'll try and keep this one a little bit shorter, and we always go over even the longest length of time we think. (laughs) This is just what it is. But it's been great uh, chatting with you, Kurt. Um, And, um, yeah, you know what? It's a fun fun season right now. NBA is going to start in a little bit. MLB, we got a little bit of a run, and the start of football is just—it's one of the best times of the year. So I'm enjoying it.
0: Can't wait! Can't wait for this weekend. Go two, no, big some. Hopefully, some blowout wins, and uh, yeah, we'll be coming back next week, Dave, and talking about how great Luke looked and how great the defense and the offense looked against San Francisco and. Hopefully, that by that point, maybe next week, we can be talking about the, the Mariners maybe being a game or so out of the out of the wild card going like into that. the final stretch there of the month. So there's going to be, uh, hopefully, a lot to talk about next week as well. So I think we'll, uh, well, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Northwest Sports Fix. Always remember to subscribe on iTunes and share us around. Word of mouth is always the best thing um, to spread the good word. So, uh, anyways, have a good night. Have a good rest of your weekend. Go Cougs. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.